Snow's Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. Let's get into the story of the week. So this first story is a little shocking to me. Patrick Mahomes' father, who is the Chiefs quarterback going to the Super Bowl this weekend, his father, who's a former MLB pitcher, has been arrested for the third time for DUI. So he was re- he was arrested on Saturday night and released Sunday after posting a $10,000 bond. He was smiling in the mugshot, which I always find kind of eerie. Um, he was arrested for suspicion of DUI while driving in Texas. His first DUI was in 2008. His second occurred in 2018, to which he w- had a sentence of 40 days that he served the time on the weekends between February of 2019 and February 2020. Don't you think that's interesting? They let some people do their time on the weekends instead of just consecutively. Yeah, I just... The- the way that all the news stories are written about this, it's just like, oh, let's let's just not really state the facts, okay? This guy's an alcoholic and he has a problem. And yeah. th- it just, I have like a certain distaste and hatred for drunk d- drivers. It really drives me nuts because yeah. there, I mean, 40% of traffic deaths are caused by alcohol, 40% of them. It, it's not taken as seriously as it should be. And the only people unfortunately that care are those that a family member has died or a great friend of theirs has died as a result of this i feel like so he's been arrested three times and now he's up for jail time and all that at this point right yeah so they're saying under texas law he faces two to ten years in prison because this will be his third offense so i I don't i have no problem with that i'm sorry i just don't i have no problem that's very simple to avoid i have no problem with it at all and i think it should be a more severe punishment but i don't think he's going to serve anything or if he does it'll be very limited no i i agree and i think it's messed up that that famous people and rich people get special treatment but do you know that they've done a study and found that people that drive drunk They've probably done it about 80 times before, before they even got caught. Oh, yeah. I could So totally it's not like it. this guy just so happened to drink and drive three times and get caught. He had an open can of beer in his car. I mean, who who does that? His Their family has a lot of controversy. Around this time last year, I don't know if you know, but Patrick Mahomes' brother, so the this guy's other son, I believe he's a, some YouTube star, but he was arrested in late February last year with three felony counts of aggravated sexual battery, one count of regular battery. So they're just always having controversy. And then this other member of their family is just on top of the world superstar winning back to back Super Bowls. And, you know, it's kind of not fair to him because doing press conferences this week leading up to the Super Bowl, they're like, oh, your dad got another DUI. And he's just like, this is a family matter, and I'm trying to worry about what I'm doing this weekend, not my loser dad continuously getting DUI. So it's kind of weird. But this guy was an MLB pitcher. He was on a bunch of teams from 1993 until 2002. So he was a big deal in his own right. And now he's just wasting his years away when he should be taking the time to celebrating his son and being responsible. Yeah, I just I, it just makes me so mad. I mean, it's 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 so bad in America that a person dies from a drinking and driving car related incident every 39 minutes of the day. Yeah. Think about that. 
That's how frequently it happens. And I just think I hear this all the time of cops letting people go and people that get in trouble. I mean, this is his third time. I know there's also statistics that even if you take away their driver's license, they just drive. You know, when people are going to decide to break the law, they don't care what the laws are. But if 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 you know anyone that drinks and drives, you should really try to stop it because I just think it's one of the douchiest things that you can do. No, certainly. And, you know, it just I have no sympathy for people that do it. I think it's a horrible judgment call. And you just really if you get caught with it one time, like you're saying that he's probably done it nearly a hundred times if he's been caught three times. But if you get caught the first time, you should really step back and reevaluate what's going on that's causing you to have this lack of judgment. Well, I think that's important to mention too, because most regular people that get caught the first time, they're scared that they're they're going to lose their license and then that would make them not be able to go to their job. Most people in the world don't have bank accounts filled with thousands and millions of dollars. So that does scare people sometimes that they're not able to simply drive where they're supposed to or do their job. And that can be a deterrent for a lot of people to sit back and say, hey, I have a problem and I need to address this. Because I think it's safe to say that most people that get in the car and drink and drive have a, some kind of an alcohol problem. So yeah. when, But most people we know who also drink often don't admit that they have an alcohol problem. And that could be the one impact that changes th- their course and their way of being. And, and that's how it should act. But when you're a famous actor, and or not not in this case an actor, but when you're just a famous person, you're a rich person, and you keep getting out of it, you're never going to learn your lesson because there's there's really no consequences unless he goes to jail, which would be and not not on the weekends. Like he goes away to jail for a while, that might like snap him back into place. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I worked with somebody about ten years ago that was. 21, made a really stupid call, got a DUI. He definitely learned from his lesson, but you know, his life was inconvenienced for a long time because he lost his license. And even though he lived 20 minutes away from the restaurant we worked at, it took him hours to get there through bus. This was kind of before Uber was a thing, but even if Uber was really a thing and happening in this area at that time, you can't afford to be taking those back and forth every single day when you used to own a car and could just drive 15, 20 minutes. So, it's something I think people need to learn from, and I I just don't see him really facing much time or having consequences from this. All right, let's get into some other celebrity news. So super sad, country singer Toby Keith has died. He was only 62 years old. Um, in the fall of 2021, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. He formally announced that diagnosis in, 2020, in the summer of 2022. Um, he seemed to have up and downs with it where he was had worse times and then he was going through periods of better times. He was performing up until December and it just it ended poorly and now he's died from it. Yeah, it's stomach cancer is is a really it's one of the worst cancers. It has a higher percentage of of death associated with it. Oftentimes it's because people don't come and get treatment or get any kind of diagnosis for it until it's too late. A lot of times the symptoms are simple. They're nausea, indigestion, heartburn, like things that I don't know, I have a couple times a week and I just take some medicine and blow it off kind of. But back in the day, it used to be a combination of smoking and alcohol that was the number one cause of stomach cancer. 
And now we're seeing less and less of that. And that's probably due to the fact that less people smoke than they used to smoke. But now it's becoming more and more common that being infected with an organism or bacteria called H. pylori, which is known to cause gastric ulcers and it causes inflammation and it could lead to stomach cancer. So that seemingly is like a more number one cause of stomach cancer now. And it's just, it's something that you can get tested for, for an endoscopy, but this takes into consideration a lot of things. Number one, do you have health insurance? Number two, are you willing to take off a whole entire day to go under anesthesia to get this testing done? And there are other ways that they can do it too. So if you are concerned about, you really should never ignore heartburn because it can lead to, it could lead to esophageal cancer as well as stomach cancer. And Unfortunately, in like one to three percent of cases of stomach cancer, it's just it's a hereditary gene mutation that people get. But I I don't know if they really ever determined or ever said what the cause of his was. But it seems like it was caught pretty late because once he was diagnosed and said that he was diagnosed, he said that he was getting chemo and radiation and surgery to remove the tumor. So. To me, that means it wasn't just a, a very low stage of it. It was found a little bit later, and they were doing aggressive treatment to try to get rid of it. And unfortunately, even though this guy had all the money in the world and stuff, they weren't able to save his life. So leading into this next story, King Charles has also been diagnosed with cancer. So a few weeks back, we reported on Kate Middleton going to the hospital for an abdominal surgery. Did we mention this? I don't remember if we talked about the full story. We might have said that they were in the hospital at the same time, but I'm not sure. Okay, so he's 75 years old. He went to have an enlarged prostate checked out. The firm has now come forward saying that he officially has cancer. The BBC is saying it's not prostate cancer, but what what else could it be? So let's talk about first why he was there in the first place. So your prostate is a gland that sits underneath, well, in men, it sits underneath of their bladder and their urethra goes through the prostate. So if the prostate becomes enlarged, which is super common to happen in men, especially as they age, it could kind of squeeze the urethra and cause urine to have difficulty coming out. So what they do is they could treat it. You go to the hospital and they do this procedure called a TERP, which is a transurethral prostate resection. So they they basically go up inside the urethra and scoop some of this prostate out just to so it's not squeezing on the urethra anymore. And what happens is they send that tissue to pathology. And then when we look at it under the microscope in pathology, sometimes almost 18% of these patients have cancer in it that they didn't even know that they had. This is, so my first impression was that's what happened. He had this transurethral prostate resection. Pathology looked at it and they were like, oh, you have some cancer in there. Now, I agree with you. I read the BBC article and they said they didn't say what kind of cancer it was, but it's not prostate cancer. Well, how... If they didn't say what it was, then how do you not know? How do you know that it's not prostate cancer? I don't know. But prostate cancer is is super, super common, especially in men that are 75 years old. And there's been studies done that said if you look at the prostate of 80% of men over 80 years old, they would all have prostate cancer. Wow. We find it like all the time by accident. If we do autopsies on old people, it's like you look at their a section of their prostate under the microscope and they had cancer and didn't even know it. It's just, it's super common. Um, but the good part is, is that if it's caught early, 
It has a 97.1% five-year survival rate, which is used to kind of determine a prognosis of cancer. So when you say five years, it means that these people survive five years after being diagnosed with the cancer. Now, we're going to compare that to something like stomach cancer, which we just talked about with Toby Keith, which is only 36% of those people live five years after diagnosis. And then something even worse, which is pancreatic cancer, where only 12% of those people live after five years of diagnosis. So 97.1% is super high. And I know, I personally know a couple older guys that have had prostate cancer and have been living for years after their diagnosis. Yeah. So for now, his public appearances are on hold, but he'll continue doing his official duties, meaning having his private meeting with the prime minister once a week, doing any paperwork related things. It seems like um, William's kind of stepping in place to do any public appearances. There's all this drama because Prince Harry went there and then flew back like the next day and they don't know what that was about. So so wait, let's just talk about this real quick. Has nothing to do with anything we do in our podcast, but <laughs> what happens what happens if he dies? Let's just say he dies. So if let's he, say it's not it's not prostate cancer and they just incidentally found something else. So if he dies, the next in line will become king, which is William. So William and Kate will be king and queen. So what happens to the other lady? Camilla is queen consort. I don't even think she should have that title, but she's kind of irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Elizabeth was the queen because she was the eld the next eldest in line, and there was a lot of controversy because her husband could not be called king because she was the bloodline. So, if her husband was the bloodline, he would be king and she would be queen. But because of vice versa, he had to be prince, which is why he was known as Prince Philip forever. And he That's had so weird. He had to fight for the title of prince as well. I think he was um, Duke of I forget uh, whatever. But he had some other irrelevant title. He really had to fight to be prince. Um, and yeah, so William will be king, and que- uh, Kate will be queen and if they die their next eldest son will be the next reign okay all right so (laughs) let's talk about another queen selena uh back in 2020 uh we had wrote a high profile or celebrity death dissection on selena and really looked into her autopsy and her murder and why don't you first start off by talking about what happened and then i'll talk about how she actually died Okay, so for those who are unfamiliar, first of all, head to the gross room because we have an entire celebrity death dissection on this that gets into all the nitty gritty. But so basically, in 1995, Selena, the famous singer, was shot by Yola, her friend and president of Selena's fan club, Yolanda Saldivar. Um, she shortly this she was shot shortly after Yolanda had been exposed from essentially extorting money from Selena so she Yolanda had bought the gun 5 days before the murder it was definitely premeditated her camp is saying that it went horribly wrong and it was an accident and she was trying to kill herself and then accidentally killed Selena so now that that happened she had been served to life in prison with the possibility of parole. So 30 years has gone by and now she's up for parole. It, oh my God, that makes me so mad. And I feel bad for her family because they must be really pissed off about this. 
she she was trying to kill herself, but somehow she shot Selena in the back as she was walking away from her. That that really makes a lot of sense. So she used a thirty eight caliber caliber bullet. It went in between her shoulder blade and her spine, through her back, and exited through her chest. And it went through her right subclavian artery. And that is an artery that's a, a close branch off of the aorta. So every time the heart beats, the blood is getting pushed out of the heart and goes into the aorta to distribute oxygenated blood throughout the entire body. And when you get a hole put in an artery that's that close to the aorta, it it bleeds really, really fast and there's really not a way to save someone unless they somehow are able to get medical attention very soon after it happens. And the 38 caliber bullet isn't isn't a huge one, but the thing is is that she used hollow point bullets which they they do more destruction. So when they enter a body or their target, they open up like a flower petal and they just destroy tissue more locally. These bullets are usually used in cases of like they're good for home invasion because if you use it to shoot uh, uh, someone that breaks into your house, it won't travel through the walls and it can't, you know, if you have a kid sleeping in the other room or even go through a house, a neighbor's house. So they're more used in home defense, but they're also illegal in most states, including mine, I believe. Yeah. Um, But so anyway, the point is, is that the doctor was saying that if she was using a ver- like a full metal jacket ammunition versus this hollow point bullet, that there might be a chance that she didn't die. And also the doctor said if the bullet had entered her a millimeter higher or a millimeter lower, she probably would have survived it. But it just was like this very sweet spot of this smaller artery that that was targeted. And it was just like a really unfortunate death. And she was so loved by all her fans and she was in the prime of her career when this happened and it's it just it's terrible to think that her family's got to relive this now yeah so why this story is relevant so she's not up for parole until next year 2025 but oxygen is coming out with a docuseries in a couple of weeks where they have interviewed her in prison they went four times she's talking about her side of the story and they interviewed her family as well so that'll definitely be really interesting to see all right, let's talk about this situation where Demi Lovato was asked to perform at the American Heart Association event. So Demi Lovato, who's just always super annoying and in the press for really... <laughs> she a- is she is an annoying person. Yeah, she's a very annoying person. She was hired by the American Heart Association to perform her hit song, Heart Attack. So <laughs> many people are conflicted about how to feel because some people think that it's incredibly insensitive to sing a song about heart attacks to a room full of people that have had a heart attack, where some people are like, she has every right to talk about it because she had a heart attack. Well, that's what I was going to say. So February is Heart Awareness Month, and it's like the Go Wear Red. And I think that they probably more than likely specifically hired her because she has had a heart attack. Yes. She's not just some rando star that said that she would perform she has a personal experience and a lot of these organizations like to hire people that have the actual disease or disorder that they're that they're doing fundraising for and i personally i don't think that anything's wrong with it because number one isn't that one of her top songs yeah i think people were just reeling it back saying like so that song says the words heart attack at least 13 times (laughs) just 
sitting in a room. I don't know. I I think it. I think if she she's personally lived through one and thinks it's okay. And again, who's complaining about this? Online trolls are actual people that are that have had heart attacks themselves that are offended by. Yeah, like I don't see a problem. I know why she. I know they hired her exactly for this reason. And people don't realize how much goes into behind planning events of this nature. This song was approved six months to a year in advance, right? But um, I don't have a Think about this, because this has to do with our next story, too. Do you think that Demi Lovato performing at the American Heart Association dinner was going to even make it to the news? No, nobody gives a shit, right? But now, all of a sudden, it's on every news story. So whatever they did, regardless if you think it's tacky or not, it's bringing awareness to heart disease. Yeah. So get so get into the next story. I don't, because yeah, it's I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's funny when you just hear the simple lineup of what happened. But okay. Next story is this Indian actor is facing criticism, obviously, after faking her own death, claiming that she was trying to raise awareness for cervical cancer. Uh, again, now listen, you might think that this is messed up. She's got 1.4 million followers on Instagram, and it appeared as if her family posted something that said, like, hey. It said, th- this morning is a tough one for us. We're deeply saddened to inform you that we have lost our beloved Punam to cervical cancer. Okay, so that's... And then the next day, she magically appears on a video and says, like, hey, I was just trying to bring awareness to cervical cancer. And... People are really pissed off about it. Again, not sure if it's actual people that have had cervical cancer or if it's just online trolls who think it's tacky, but she kind of has a point. Listen listen to these statistics. She was saying that cervical cancer in India, there was 120,000 cases of it and 73,000 deaths, and it is the second leading cause of cancer deaths in women in India over breast cancer. That's significant because it's not like that in in this country, right? So she was trying to bring awareness to it. And she was saying that it became one of the most searched topics on Google. And the word cervical cancer was in over 1000 articles. So was she wrong? Really? I'm I'm asking you. I, yeah, when you put it that way, I think she did a good thing. I mean, she was working in collaboration with a marketing agency. They all, Their statement also said, quote, our actions were driven by a singular mission to elevate awareness about cervical cancer. And they also made a really good point that cervical cancer is so rarely in the headlines, especially in Indian culture. So now everybody's talking about it because of this. So maybe it wasn't the most tasteful way to approach it, but what else were they going to do? Now everybody's talking about it. We're talking about it. It's in the headlines everywhere. And it is bringing some type of awareness. I just, I don't even believe that any person that actually had cervical cancer would be against this. I think the only person that she potentially could have hurt in this situation is herself. She didn't hurt anybody. Like, yeah, she, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt anyone. And anyone that has cervical cancer probably would say that they wish they knew more. Or they wish they had a vaccine or they wish they were getting paps more regularly. Like, I don't know what they would say, but I doubt that they would have anything to say against this. It is when you reel it back, it's kind of admirable to tank your entire career potentially to raise awareness about a cause you're passionate about. So when I look at it that way, I think she did a really good thing. Yeah, I do too. I'm not mad about it. All right, let's get into freak accidents. I I have some thoughts on this story. So a man was suing McDonald's 
over a severe allergic reaction. So basically what happened is this guy had an allergy to milk, like severe that he would get anaphylaxis from it. So he's saying he placed an order for a Big Mac with no cheese through DoorDash, which is something he did quite often. So he said he did it a bunch of times before and he never ever had an issue. So this particular order, he takes a bite of the Big Mac custom no cheese he ordered and starts going into anaphylactic shock because the cheese was on it. So a typical Big Mac contains two beef patties topped with pickles, lettuce, onion, a dairy-free sauce, which I can't even believe that sauce is dairy-free, and a slice of American cheese. It's like the best sauce ever, by the way. Yeah. So the specials. <laughs> I love that. He's um, he's suing them, and his attorney is saying he has a right to sue them because even though there's an option to remove the cheese, you have no option to mark that it's for an allergy. And I'm just here to say, these employees don't give a flying fuck about you (laughs) what if you if you interviewed and i'm gonna say this seriously if you interviewed every single person that lives in america and asked them what they thought about mcdonald's service the way they handle things with custom orders the way they give you every single thing you're supposed to get when you pay every single person would be like that place is the worst and they suck. Why would you ever trust them with your life like that? We That's reported just, not you're long, dumb. We reported you, not long ago that somebody, an employee, smeared human shit in a bag and handed it to a customer through a drive through window. Like, I don't exactly see McDonald's as following proper customer service protocols and maybe that boils down to corporate. Maybe they're not treating them right and that's why they don't care. I don't know. I don't want to get into all that. But I'm just saying, as somebody... You and I both with severe allergies to certain things. There's just certain places we you don't even, trust. We ta- we even talked about this a couple weeks ago when that girl had accidentally died from eating a cookie that had some kind of nut or something in it that wasn't listed in the products. And my personal feeling is, especially if you know that you have an allergy that would cause severe anaphylaxis, you really shouldn't be eating out and trusting anybody to be making your food, really. Like, that's that's Especially how I look at it. Especially with dairy, that's so common. I, and, and McDonald's of all... But whoever in the world has gotten DoorDash or McDonald's, I don't think I've ever gone to McDonald's and been like, wow, my, entor- my entire order is right and I have napkins and a straw in my bag. Like, it's just never happened once in the history of my life. And it's progressively getting worse every year. And then the same could be said with DoorDash. You just check things off and they ignore it all the time. There's issues all the time. You cannot, you can't trust these people to be, and and then go ahead and sue them. I just think that's really ballsy. Like he should get sued because he's dumb. I don't know what to say. Well, I just don't think so. So I wanted to bring up the point, like, did you not look at the the order before you took a bite in it? It's very obvious to see if cheese is on a burger. If a piece of cheese, yeah, I just... There's when there's and I really don't think he has a case here because there's so much of a chance of cross contamination. Just it, it's it's not it's really kind of not fair to put on a McDonald's employee because a 17 no. year old kid that's working there like they don't understand. They don't understand the severity of that. And it's really what do they get paid? Ten dollars an hour now. Like it, it's not it's not really their problem. Well, like that, I just yeah. don't. That's what I'm getting at is like, A, try finding somebody that cares in the first place. And B, this could have been a super innocent mistake. They could have just simply grabbed the wrong burger and put it in the wrong bag. Shit happens, which is why as a customer, it's also your responsibility 
to double check. I mean, there's cases where we've ordered smoothie bowls and both of us are like, why is our throat so itchy, blah, blah, blah. And we did do everything we can. And I'm just like, is what it is. I shouldn't order from there if something's going to bother me of that level. I just think like it's really dick to sue the McDonald's because you you had a job too and you didn't do it either. So yeah, it's just like the, the culture of not having any uh, like self-responsibility anymore. It just is annoying. So I did want to bring up that they said there is other lawsuits pending about dairy and other restaurants because they're saying it's discriminatory to charge customers who can't consume regular milk for specialty milks like coconut and almond. And this this lawsuit is geared towards Dunkin' Donuts, which I just want to say I kind of agree with that because if maybe they if they didn't put 10 pumps of syrup in every single coffee, they could even out the cost of not charging 70 extra cents for yeah, almond but, milk. But they have to. This is just like so ridiculous. Seriously, like a get it. That's like us going to a place and going to a gluten-free bakery and saying, like, we shouldn't have to pay $50 for a cake because the flour costs more. Like, the flour just costs more than regular flour. That's oat milk costs more. Yeah, and I'm saying, like, I get pissed about spending an extra 70 cents on a non-dairy milk, but I ain't going to file a lawsuit about it. I, I'm like, that's life, sweetheart. Deal with it. So, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But, yeah, I think this lawsuit has totally no bias. I, I feel bad he had an allergic reaction. You and I have both been there where we've ordered something and it wasn't right. We've gotten major itchy throat. Things happen and you have to do your due diligence as the person with the allergy as well. All right. Get on to the Zorb ball. So do you know what a Zorb ball is? I, I didn't know when I first read it, but then when I looked it up, I saw it was like one of those giant hamster balls I've seen. <laughs> I haven't actually seen one in real life, but I I saw them on the news or something w- once and just thought, okay, duh, this is this is going to be a problem because it's a a huge ball that you're not really in control of. And what if it rolls in the street or something? Yeah. So basically, for anybody unfamiliar, it's this giant plastic ball that you can get in and like walk in it like a hamster wheel type of thing. My my first thing was, how can you breathe in there? But apparently, if you're in there for less than 15 minutes, you're fine. But this super freak thing happened at a food and drink festival in the UK last summer where this nine-year-old boy was in the Zorb ball and a giant gust of wind came up and swept him and like launched it into the air. And then he fell on the ground and had to be airlifted to the hospital, had all these surgeries. So now the family's saying as of today in February, he's still facing many issues from his injuries from this accident. Well, we have to really tell them like how far he was because you would just think, okay, it it went up a a couple feet. The people that were there that witnessed it said that this ball went over the trees. (laughs) It was high as hell. So imagine a child that's nine years old. I mean, sometimes there's 40 and 50 miles an hour gusts of wind. I mean, this is completely probable. A nine-year-old kid could weigh 70 pounds or something. It picked the kid up and he fell from above the trees to the ground, broke multiple bones, was in the hospital for a long time. And they're, yeah, they're saying that he's still not recovered from his injuries. Don't know if he's ever going to recover from some of his injuries. And I guess a girl got ran over by one of these last year, too, and someone that was in the ball ran her over and she went into the cement face first and broke like 15 bones and had all this brain injury and everything like that. So, 
who would have thought that this would have happened being in a giant inflatable ball that rolls that you wouldn't have control over it and people would get hurt? Yeah. And I kept thinking about when he came down, like, did it pop or were they cutting through all that plastic to get him out without him suffocating? Like, this is absolutely a horrific situation. Well, there's I think there's like a door on it. Yeah, there has to be a way that you get in it. I just I don't know. It's it's, it's off. I feel like it's in a movie. Well, that, you know, there's that a similar in like a thing park. in Jurassic Park. Oh God! In the newer what? ones, the that kids. They, well, they're I think in that ball. They're in a similar type of ball in one of the newer Jurassic Park movies, where they're like you can drive through the park of dinosaurs, and then the the gate turns out. You know, the same yeah. plot of all. 400 Jurassic Park things where the gates turn off and the dinosaurs get loose, but that's what I was thinking of immediately was that scene. This episode is brought to you by The Gross Room. Starting tomorrow, Friday, February 9th, we are putting The Gross Room on sale. We only do it a few times a year, so tell everybody the benefits they get from the sale. Well, we do specific writings and articles based upon what's happening in life all the time so we kind of cover news stories like we're doing here but so for valentine's day we've been doing a couple love slash relationship related articles i told you guys a couple weeks ago we covered my friend amy harwick who was brutally murdered in a domestic violence slash stalking situation so we wrote a celebrity death dissection on her just kind of going through everything that she happened to her, the circumstances surrounding her death, of what would have been seen at autopsy, and just trying to bring awareness to to all of these different types of situations. Then last week, we covered Lorena Bobbitt and John Wayne Bobbitt. And as people my age or older would know that he was famously known because his wife cut his penis off, and then he later had it reattached and had a a career in porn. So we talk about that whole case and how surgeons can reattach a penis and and it could go on to be functioning clearly. And we're also going to discuss next week, we're going to talk about dying from, not necessarily from a classic heart attack, but dying from an emotional stress, being overly emotional. So that, I thought that that was good for this time of year. And we do this all the time at Christmas time. We did dissections on people that died from eating toys or children that died from eating toys or getting injured from toys. And we try to do it specifically for whatever holiday is coming up. There's thousands of articles in the gross room, pictures, photos, videos, and it's just really awesome. Plus, we have a really great community that we could talk to each other. It's kind of like a blog form with comments, and it's just awesome. Yeah, so you guys can head over to thegrossroom.com and get $20 for one year of gross. All right, Rhea, let's get into violent crime. This first story is about a man that was handcuffed for so long that he needed a hand amputation. So cops in Alabama handcuffed a man so tightly that his left hand had to be amputated. This happened in February of 2020. They received a call about gunshots at a resident near Birmingham, Alabama. They arrested the man at the residence, and he complained that they were too tight. So they kind of blew him off because they claimed he was resisting arrest, and they were just having a hard time getting him in the handcuffs in the first place, and then they said they readjusted them, and he wasn't complaining about them afterwards. 
Um, so yeah, they were on for a really long time. And then four days after his arrest, he had to go to the hospital for discoloration in his fingers. They initially had to partially amputate three fingers due to lack of circulation and then eventually had to take off his entire left hand. So one of the things that you left out about this was that he was complaining that the handcuff hurt and he also said that he was involved in a motorcycle accident. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Before that. So that to me thinks like that could have had something to do with it because Clearly, if you get in any kind of motorcycle accident, I don't know that you could really escape being un- uninjured. So I don't know what the extent of the damage that he had was. Not not saying that it's not possible to completely cut off oxygen from handcuffs because you can. So apparently they have this special double lock on them that you put on to avoid this thing from happening so they can't be squeezed tighter. But they were saying because they were having such a difficult time restraining him that they didn't do that. So the handcuff apparently was tight on his wrist enough that it cut off oxygen. So again, we were talking about the oxygenated blood coming off of the aorta. Well, it comes off an artery in your hand. So when you put your fingers next to your right below your thumb, you feel your radial pulse. That's that's your artery bringing blood to your hand with oxygen in it. Well, if that gets squeezed off for a long enough period of time, the hand will not have oxygen and it'll start to die. And and it would be painful and it could also compress the nerves as well in the hand. So even though he said that it felt better after they loosened it, he might have already lo- lost nerve sensation in the hand and may not have realized that. But over the course of the next couple of days, his hand became discolored because it was dying. And then when he went in, they had to cut off his fingers. And that probably wasn't enough, in his, which is why they had to cut off his entire hand. No. So that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it it is crazy, especially because I, I guess the original reason they put him in handcuffs is because they said he was drunk and he shoved an officer, which is, which is possible, I guess. But it, it well, seems like they don't know because... The, the camera, the, the camera, cameras were off. The camera was off, and then when it came on, it was quote obstructed. So, oh my god. Okay, let's talk about this this next story. So, two years ago, a 13 year old boy in Pennsylvania was at his aunt and uncle's house, and he said he was looking for frogs near a retention pond and came across a human skull, and he was really freaked out about this. So, two years have gone by, and now the skull has been identified as this. Um, guy Roger Hart, who was a missing man who faced charges of attempting to kill his wife back in 2004. Yeah, that I I always think about this because we actually have another story coming up later in the news about stumbling across something so creepy. And just think about a child going in the woods and looking for something and then running in the house and saying, Mom, I just found this out back. Yeah. And, And I would be like, okay, whatever, it, you know, go back there and see it and just be completely shocked. It, but that was two whole years ago it took them, but they finally were able to do DNA analysis on it and find out who it belonged to. So that that's pretty cool. And next week, I'm actually interviewing a forensic artist named Lisa Bailey, 
who kind of did this for a living. So it's it's a, it's we're going to have some really great questions for her about what happens when they find a skull and how we can figure out who it belongs to. Yeah, Lisa has the coolest book ever. I just finished reading it coming out called Clay and Bones. It comes out in two weeks. You guys should definitely pre-order it. She talks about doing facial approximations, working in the FBI, doing composite sketches. It was the coolest career story. Yeah, she has she has a really cool story. So uh, look forward to that interview as well. Yeah, but it's going to be really cool. She also did some really cool work at the body farm. I think you guys are really going to enjoy her story. All right, let's talk about this this next case, which is highly disturbing. Okay, so this happened in Alaska, which I'm always so intrigued by Alaskan culture. I feel like it's just the creepiest things in the world happen there. Um, So a woman with a, quote, lengthy criminal history was picked up by a man in his truck to go on a, quote, date. So I think she was a sex worker and things transpired. But when he left her alone in the car to go to an ATM and pull some cash out, she went into the center console of his car and stole a memory card that was in there, which is like, what are you doing? Why? why yeah, like <laughs> I mean, thank God she did. Yeah. But 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 why? What was what was her reasoning? So now four years has gone by, and that memory card is a key piece of evidence in a double murder trial. So on this evidence, on this um memory card, there was gruesome photos and videos of a woman being beaten and strangled at a Marriott hotel. Her attacker was speaking in a strong accent as he urged her to die, and her blanket-covered body was snuck outside on a luggage cart. This is all documented by the killer, which is also like, what's your problem? So she had went to police right after she found this, like the next day, yeah. and or within a couple days or something, and I don't... So what's that? This is like a while ago. That's that little card that you, you could stick in in somewhere else to be able to retrieve what's in it. Yeah. Like I just wonder what made her in a camera. I just, I just, I just wonder what happened that made her want to steal that. And then what made her look at it? Maybe he did something that was creepy. And then she, she took it home and looked at it and saw that stuff and then went to police. I mean, I think that that's cool that she did because it she could have like, gotten in trouble herself. Yeah. It seems like her meeting was a little sus to begin with. So maybe she was like, I don't, I don't know. She she was up to no good stealing the memory card, but it ended up really working out in her favor, right? But what's really disturbing is in one of the videos, he's quoted as saying to the dying victim, in my movies, everybody always dies. What are followers going to think of me? People need to know when they're being serial killed. Who, what is he talking about? I don't know. So she brings this memory card to police um, and they said they recognized the voice as this guy, Brian Stephen Smith, who's a 52-year-old man from South Africa, because he had been part of a prior investigation. So now he's been charged with killing two Native Alaskan women um, that were known missing. And one of the women, or sorry, so his attorneys are trying to get this piece of evidence dismissed because they're saying she stole it and could have altered the videos and the photos, which... I I uh, guess okay. I guess yes that is possible so that it's definitely a possibility that they could have been manipulated I don't think that's the case and this guy had already been investigated previously for something else so yeah this is kind of it's a really weird story but it ended up really cool I like hearing stories like this cuz they're not that common um and even though she was up to no good she did do a really good thing See this is another problem with the AI shit that I always talk about because now it's 
normally if you saw a video of a specific guy killing someone then you would you would believe it and now the there's the technology to just make videos that are completely not real that look real so this this is going to be a potential problem increasing problem for law enforcement that you can't even use any of this kind of as evidence anymore yeah, so he's ultimately pleaded not guilty to 14 charges, including first and second degree murder, sexual assault, and tampering with evidence. So I will be very interested to watch this trial play out. Okay, this next case is super disturbing. A 36-year-old woman named Lacey Fletcher was found dead in a waste-filled, maggot-ridden crater in her family's couch, which was also covered in urine and feces. All right. So when you first hear that storyline, you think that these people are living in some kind of like poverty situation and just, you know, you hear these stories of people living with 500 dogs and there's feces everywhere. And then when you start scrolling through the story, you start to see that the mom and dad of this woman. So this woman was 36 years old, so she wasn't a child. But the mom and dad are standing in front of a seemingly really nice house with a Christmas tree, and they look like kind of a, a normal suburban-looking couple. And I guess they had this child that had what they were saying was severe Asperger's and anxiety, also anxiety, and all of these like different conditions. And I guess they were saying that she wanted to stay sitting on this couch and they would they would feed her every day and everything bring her food but ultimately she decided that she wanted to stay on this couch so then you and and the parents love this child and they did everything and and they don't want to be in trouble but then when you look at the article they show you pictures of the couch and it's so disturbing it's like the girl like ate through the couch just sitting there all the time and 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 this is corroborated by the medical examiner's report that said that she had horrible pressure ulcers. So that happens when you just, if you lay in bed or you sit somewhere for a long time and, and barely ever get up. But they were saying that the, the couch was full of urine and feces. Like she was just going to the bathroom, sitting there all the time and then sitting in it. And it was down to the point that these ulcers were down to her bones and then within the exposed bones were maggots filled with maggots. So you one person would say, well, okay, she was dead there, so that's why she had maggots. But the medical examiner concluded that she wasn't decomposed when he when they examined her body. So the maggots, they, they're concluding that the maggots were there prior to her dying. Yeah, I mean, that's really disturbing. And I read somewhere that a witness said she had basically sat there for 12 straight years. I don't even know. Uh, it looks like she did. Did you see the picture of I know, the couch? I know, because the local medical examiner described it as she had, quote, melted into the piece of furniture. And I really advise everybody to check this out, like the picture of the couch out, because it is just absolutely so horrific and disgusting. And at what point do you have the responsibility of the caregiver to just, like, I understand she didn't want to move, but you got to override somebody. They're saying she had a rare neurological disorder called locked-in syndrome. I'm not exactly sure what that means. They they are saying it's some kind of paralysis that that involves all of the muscles except the eyes or something like that. But but even so, then she needed special care, and her letting her just sit there like that is, I uh, I plus it's also weird to me 
that didn't these people have any friends or anything that had to smell horrific? Just just urine and poop on a couch would smell horrible, I don't but know. just and the necrotic skin and everything. How could you, as just a person cohabitating that house, just deal with that? I just no, couldn't understand that, Because it. they're clearly mental, but it's just like nobody ever came over. Nobody, she didn't have any siblings or anything. Nobody ever knew about this. I, I don't know. And it's, it's, just, it's, it is weird because they look like a totally normal couple with pictures in front of a Christmas tree and... It's it's just how does this stuff happen? So now they're facing second-degree murder charges. They pleaded no contest to reduce the charges to manslaughter, but they could face up to 40 years in prison for this. Yeah, well, they kind of should because seeing how a per- the, the woman was 36 years old and she was less than 100 pounds. And uh, trust me, like she was alive with maggot infestations on her body. That It's just, it's terrible. Even it's if just somebody- terrible. Even if somebody's really stubborn and they're, you know, not living a good quality of life or they're near the end of their life, you can't just let them rot away. You have to step in at some point and take care of it because they obviously aren't in the right mindset to take care of it. And you can't just let them sit there and literally deteriorate within a piece of furniture in your home. And why do you want to live in an environment like that? It's very, very weird. It's Another thing that was weird, too, is that the mom said that she would go home from work or something and eat lunch with the girl every day. And you have to think, like, what, like, how mentally disturbed are you that you're just sitting there with a person that's alive living like this? Did they just have her walled off in this other room that she wasn't allowed in the rest of the house? I just there's something that that just doesn't make sense to me if you're living in a neighborhood that how this could go on for so many years. Who said she was there for 12 years or something? A wit- just in the article, I mentioned a witness had said she had been there. Maybe it was a family member or somebody. Yeah, but why didn't that wit? Can't that witness get in trouble? Like, come on. <laughs> I know. And, you know, I'm thinking about it like I can't even stand when my husband's feet smell when he gets home from work. <laughs> it certainly could not be sitting next to somebody's yeah. rotting flesh and poop and pee and stuff. I just I think this is really horrible for the girl. I just I don't. I cannot fathom what was going through the minds of these people to let this get this far. All right, let's discuss some medical news. Okay, so our first story in medical news is about this former daycare director has been sentenced to six months in jail after pleading guilty to giving melatonin gummies to children without parents' consent. So in December of 22, one of the par- one set of parents of a child going to this daycare Their kid was having a hard time going down for a nap, and they suggested giving their kid melatonin and recommended a dose. The daycare director was really pleased with the ease (laughs) of how this went down and was like, you know what, I'm going to give it to the other kids that give me a hard time too. So the melatonin was given to 17 children over this time, ranging from infancy to four years. Some of them had really bad side effects. Parents are obviously pissed, and it was reported, and now jail. Yeah, I mean, I give I I've talked to my pediatrician about this several times because I've given it to my, I give it to my kids once in a while if they're if they seem wired because in my opinion the best thing for kids is for them to get a good night of sleep. It's just better for their whole entire demeanor the next day and I just really want to try to get my kids to bed at but if it, if it gets to be even 9 o'clock, that's when I start getting anxiety that they're not going to get their full night of sleep. And my pediatrician has said that it's completely fine to give it, although that there's only evidence that giving it to them in uh, the acute, so like right then and there, that there there's not really any 
a ton of reported issues, but we don't know what the long-term side effects are because kids haven't been taking this for 20 years. So I only give it to them once in a while. I'm not like an every night person. I don't think anybody should give their kid that every night because really your kids should be able to learn how to fall asleep by themselves. And Honestly, the biggest reason kids probably aren't falling asleep these days is because of devices being on too long before they go to bed. But anyway, um, yeah, so I I think, though, I've had my kid in daycare before, my, my kids, both of them when they were babies, and I would also be, I would not be happy about this just because you don't know if, just because my pediatrician recommends it or says that it's okay doesn't mean other pediatricians do. And people are entitled to not have their kids take stuff and not, and especially to not know behind their back. I, how did they actually figure out that she was doing this to all of the kids? So a parent reported it. So I'm not sure if one of the older kids, you know, she was giving it to kids up to four years old. So one of the kids might have just said like, oh, blah, blah, gave me something, right? And then they started looking into it, but they reported it to her boss and then it started getting investigated. So I think the bottom line is you just shouldn't give anybody's child any type of medication or anything without their permission. It's just... No, it's true. One night, uh, the kids... I had a sleepover one night and there were kids here and I asked... Like, it was like two o'clock in the morning or something and they just would not wind down and I, I would never... I asked the mom like, hey, do you care if I give your kid like half a melatonin gummy just so they could chill out? I would never, ever give a kid medicine without asking the mom that that's just not cool at all <laughs> um and th- another concern with melatonin is that it's not really regulated like it's like an fda drug and they've done studies on some of these herbal supplements of melatonin and found that it might say that there's five milligrams but there's really 10 milligrams in it so i always give my kids like whatever the Whatever the dosage on the bottle says to give them, I give them like half. So sometimes it'll say like take two gummies for this age range or whatever. And I give them only one just to get because I because I do get scared that there might be a little bit more than it says there should be. And I don't want them to have trouble waking up or anything. Yeah, I personally don't like melatonin because the times I've taken it, I feel like I fall asleep really nicely. Let's say I take it at 10 o'clock at night. I fall asleep and then I wake up wide awake at 3 a.m. can't get back to sleep it's the same thing happens to me and I have crazy dreams like it's insane I'm I I won't take it either because I feel like it just it's not good (laughs) yeah okay so this next story is about a baby born without eyes so I'll start off with saying that this couple got married in 2021 they were having a kind of a long time trying to conceive and finally after a year they were able to conceive this baby they, the woman gave birth in November to a seemingly healthy baby, but noticed the baby wasn't opening its eyes at first. And a nurse was like, no, that's okay because the womb is dark and they don't often open their eyes right away. I never heard of that. Okay, but the baby never opened its eyes because it has this rare condition. Do you want to explain for everybody? Yeah, so she so she had a, what she thought was a healthy pregnancy, had all of the genetic testing and done everything. Everything looked cool. And the doctor was looking at the baby's eyes because it seemed like it was taking a long time for the baby to open the eyes up and just said to her very bluntly, like, yeah, the baby doesn't have eyes. And she was like, what do you mean? Like the baby has small eyes. And he was like, no, she just doesn't have eyes. And um, is it wait, is it a is it a male or female child? It was a baby girl. 
Oh, baby. Yeah. Okay. So she doesn't have eyes. Um, and and what do you say? What do you even think when you're a parent? I've never even heard of this. Also, there so, can't be some sensitivity training for this person. Like that's who? that's kind of horrible well, news. That's, that's that's kind of across across the board with a lot of doctors, but they were able to go to a children's hospital after the mom had uh, healed, well, not even healed, after she was allowed to be discharged from the hospital. And they stayed there for nine days and worked the baby up. They had never seen it. And they found out that she has some rare genetic disorder that unfortunately she could be able to pass down to a child if she decides to have a child one day. And the, there's only like 30 cases of it worldwide. So it's so, so rare. So they don't really know if she's going to be 100% cognitively normal or what. They don't know. They just have to kind of watch it. But she has no eyes and no optic nerve that is the nerve that usually relays the information from the eyes to the brain and back and forth. And the specialist is saying that there's nothing they could have really done to detect or prevent it. It's just it's just how it is. So. No, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a rare condition she was born with. And so now... They're saying that they're going to give her surgery and they have to put these spacers in where the eyes would be. And that's just so the, the skull could continue to grow and form normally. And then when she gets older and is done growing, they can give her glass eyes. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 really crazy. I think the parents are like really kind of upset about it. And I think that you just have to be like, this is what. No, they're what I have. They're and, upset about it, but they seem like they're like, okay, this happened. There's nothing we can do. We're gonna move on and have the best life ever with our. Yeah, baby. there's there's plenty. I mean, obviously, like it's so e it's so much easier to have a life where you could see and everything. But there's plenty of people that are hard of vision yeah. or completely blind that live very happy lives. So it's nothing to. It is what it is, you know, and she'll she'll end up being very she's special. It's 30 kids out of out of the world. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yes. And so. I and I never heard of it ever. I it's it's just really nuts. All right. So a couple years ago, Marie, couple years it's been now, right? Yeah, it was late 2022. I wrote this. Yeah. So Maria wrote an article about this next story. So didn't know this was a thing either. <laughs> So um, leg lengthening surgeries have been increasing in popularity. So basically around the 50s, these type of surgeries called length, uh, leg lengthening, that's a mouthful, procedures, had come about. And it was more so for children with that were born with genetic disorders or growth issues um, to help them have their legs grow and add some height. So, of course, this has been going on for decades, but now it's increasing in popularity because short men are getting these cosmetic procedures to add some inches to their height. So it's a cosmetic surgery. It could add two to six inches to your height. Um, it's I, I don't know how to feel about it. It's really expensive. It starts around $70,000. It's extremely painful. It could be very damaging to your muscles and other ligaments. So I don't know. What do you think about the whole thing? So they either break the bottom of your leg or the middle of your leg. <laughs> And they insert this rod into your bone that they they cr you crank and allows the bone growth in between times where it's where it's separated. And as they crank it, it grows bone and the bone gets replaced and stuff. So I don't think I mean, listen, I'm I'm for this for kid for kids, especially for a cosmetic procedure. It just it seems to be a little a little much. So what happens is they cut a hole in the bone and they want the bone to the bone will grow back eventually but you're not going to grow a whole entire 
leg worth of bone. It only ends up being what do they guarantee? Three to six inches of height at the at the maximum. Two to six inches. Two to six inches. So it you just have to slowly crank it over the course of a couple months and like let that bone regrow. I mean, to me, that just sounds incredibly painful. I I think that obviously I I'm not sure that you could even walk while you're doing that, right? I'm not. I don't. No, I, don't I believe see how you're you, wheelchair bound. You're you're wheelchair bound for month. How long is it? Two the, the two recovery, and a half months. Or, no, the recoveries could take. I think up to six six months to a year to be fully yeah, I, recovered and walking again. Yeah, I I imagine that, and I, I imagine that it takes a lot of physical therapy, and it it seems silly, but then when you read the article, it's it's it, apparently it's a huge thing for guys to be short. That um that guy that they were really focusing on the article was five foot nine. I I don't yeah that like five he foot was, nine is totally <laughs> fine height, but but because your but any height, height. Uh, uh, yeah exactly. Well, you know what's funny about the article. So in the article, it said that most women are very, when they go on a dating app, they put like height limitations, like what they what they would be comfortable dating someone that's this short versus this tall or whatever. And and I only went on dating apps a couple of times before I met Gabe. But when I did that, I always would put six foot tall would be the starting range of somebody that I would want to date because I'm I'm five nine almost. Right. And. <laughs> The funniest part is I always say that I always say that to people when they put that because CRISPR's like that. She she would like a taller guy too, and I always be like, dude, I never would have met Gabe if 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 we were both online because he's he's short, you know what I mean? And he's not he's not short. Well, he's he says he's five foot ten. He's not five. Foot I think 10. I think. But guys you, always though, add. I think for you and CRISPR though, it's different because I'm five four, so like I have plenty of options, right? But my husband's five eleven, so that's I lucked out, I guess. But I don't know. Like I I I just think that's a thing for tall women that they want to date taller guys. But you and I Gabe just, are the person- same height. So how is yeah, that for you? But per but I, I just I don't care because I, I just always felt like a like a bigger girl and it would make me feel a little insecure to have a little tiny guy. Yeah. But he's he's like a big muscular guy. He's bigger than me. He weighs more than me. So it doesn't bother me at all. Um, But but in that situation, I don't know that if I met a guy that was like, hey, look at these scars on my legs. I paid one hundred thousand dollars to get my legs lengthened. I don't know if I would be attracted to that either. I don't. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I don't want to be judgmental, judgmental in the sense of it is a cosmetic surgery. It's like when you look at it as just a cosmetic surgery, it's no different than get your boobs on or anything. But it is very different because you're getting an extreme surgery that's taking a year, almost a year of healing time. It is so expensive. And especially for the guy they mentioned in the article, 5'9", that's not that short. That's a pretty average height for men. Who also has like a year of their life to just kind of be off well, to get tell their you, legs made longer? Why I wrote the article two years ago was because the guy I wrote about was an aspiring actor that was around my height, like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, and then he got it done and now he's 5'8 and he said it's changed his whole career. Like, dude, I still haven't seen you in anything. So <laughs> I don't know if it well, was worth the money. I think, I think like uh, Tom Cruise is like a little nug, right? Doesn't he always wear lifts Yeah, but and he's stuff? Tom Cruise. Like, I guess my overall point is 
if you're sure, I understand if you want to do this to make yourself feel better, you have every right, like everybody does to have a cosmetic procedure, but there are short men that just own it, and like Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, and he's a little nugget. There's there's Andy Cohen's a little chicken nugget too. I just saw him in person for the first time was like, wow, I just never really realized how short he was, but who cares? Because yeah, he's I- him and he's great, so... I don't know. I think you should just 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 own it. Just be sure. It's weird that I I would be I would want like a leg a leg shortening procedure so I wasn't so tall. It's like it, even though people say to me all the time, "Oh, it's so great that you're so tall." It and is great because it, I can't it's reach great like anything. Yeah, in my kitchen especially, like I could reach up up to most shelves. I only have to get the ladder once in a while, but um yeah, it's just, but it's not like every pair of pants I've owned my entire life are short, unless I get, I mean, they started making special long ones, but when I was a kid, floods were not popular. It was, <laughs> it was not, it was not a fun childhood. Okay, let's get into the other death news. All right, I don't have much on this story. I just wanted to give an update. So we covered the three Chiefs fans that had frozen to death last week, and not shockingly, they had cocaine and fentanyl in their systems. Yeah, I mean, there there is really the the family seems to think it's very weird, and the circumstances are weird. But they all, if they all had the same thing, and the one of the moms is saying, "Oh, they they he he wasn't a drug addict or something like yeah, you, don't you don't need don't to, be to be a drug, be a drug addict. addict. They might have they they could have recreationally done cocaine, or this could have been the first time they did cocaine. And it, it well, is I don't it know is. if you would. I don't know if you would really. I mean, die from the first time of doing cocaine. No, but there is fentanyl involved too. Yeah. And I mean, there is a little bit of like keeping your your guard up about this because that guy that was the friend is some kind of chemist and stuff. No, that story is weird and we shouldn't ignore that. It's weird and we're not. But but like this is, I think that was just like quick talks results too, which is not the full thing. So when when the full toxicology report comes out, there might be more. I just I don't see why the guy would purposely poison three of his friends. It does it doesn't seem like it just seems like they were partying and that's what partying people do. And maybe they just got a bad batch of something or something. I don't know. Yeah, like we'll but, we'll keep following it, but I'm not gonna keep updating with every no. step every week. It's- I mean, we're just updating you because again, last week we tell you this story and then the an hour later Maria was still editing the episode and they say like the toxicology results came out. We're like, Oh, of course, because that's what always happens. Yeah, I'm like, I already took my lipstick off, so you're beat. I'm not re recording <laughs> that section. Oh my god. So this so this next story it goes with another story we were talking about. There's just you know some people walking down the beach in Miami and they're collecting shells and then they just look down and they see a human fetus just sitting there in the beach against the water. Yeah, so a fetus washed ashore in Miami where we just were recently so I could very well see myself in this scenario which freaks me out. Um but a death investigation's been open. They don't really have anything to work with right now they're gonna try to have the medical examiner work with dna and everything and try to figure it out they don't know the mother's role if she's alive or if she had something to do with the baby being in the ocean or what happened so the, at this point the medical examiner is going to assess their remains and then try to get as much information as possible they have the investigation open and then they'll kind of go from there but i just want more information because i'm like number one how old is the fetus number two how what did it look like because Miami's hot I didn't even go I've been to Miami three three times now I never went on the beach 
just like it's too hot. I'm, I'll get burned in two seconds. Um, it's very hot there. So that can contribute to decomposition. And then the salt, the high salt content and just the water hitting it and stuff. I just, there's, it, it might not even be in any kind of condition to even figure out anything about it. I'm just, I want to say I have a firm anti-ocean policy and I did go in the ocean in Miami and now I well, will not be anymore. Because the water, the water looks I mean, when you when you're from New Jersey and the water, you can't even see your hand as soon as you put it under the water. No, it's, it's just a little different in different disgusting. areas of the. Yeah, but not not down there. I mean, it whatever. So this next uh, story we covered in the gross room a couple months before Mother Knows Death launched. So a woman was giving birth when they faced complications, the baby coming out, and then. The doctor who was doing the delivery essentially pulled too hard, which broke the baby's neck and detached its head. So this story, this happened months ago. And when it first came out, the doctor that did the procedure just said that this was a rare complication of the baby had gotten stuck in the birth canal. And they had determined, well, this is what the doctor's saying, that they determined that the baby was dead already. And they decapitated the head, so they pulled the head out of her vagina and pulled the body out through the C-section. And when the medical examiner got got this body, they determined that the baby was alive when it was decapitated. And they said that the baby had a fractured dislocation with complete transection of the upper cervical C1 and C2 spine. So they're the ones that are right beneath the skull. And it was a transection of the spinal cord, which means the spinal cord was cut completely in half. Now, this is really important from the medical examiner because they can tell if this was done before the baby was alive or, or after the baby was um, already dead. And they determined that there was hemorrhage surrounding this this these bone fractures and around the spinal cord which means that the baby was still alive when this happened so that's kind of like going to go against what the doctor was saying the medical examiner also had went and and consulted other medical examiners because they had said they had never seen a case like this before they actually are shocked that it wasn't reported to them because in the hospital when there's even if you think it's considered a natural death, it could be an accidental death, like during a procedure especially, that's a reportable case. You're supposed to call the medical examiner and be like, hey, like even if it went down the way this woman said it did, what this doctor that did the, that was trying to deliver the baby said, hey, this baby had died and it was stuck and we had to save the mother's life. So we had to take the baby out, which is, it happens once in a while. It's, that's, it's life. The medical examiner then should say, okay, we want to do the autopsy and look at it for ourselves, or you guys can do the autopsy. Well, what happened was the baby, so this mother is just told her baby died. She doesn't really, she doesn't really know anything except that she, that she lost her baby. And this happens at the hospital sometimes. And they tell her she's not allowed to hold the baby afterwards, but they're going to let her see the baby. So they wrap the baby up. And, and this is really disturbing in, in that cute little baby blanket and show her through a window they so she sees it and she's upset and she leaves the hospital the baby goes to the funeral home and then they say um the baby's head is not attached to the body and that's obviously so weird i could think about all of the 
the fetuses and stillbirths that I that I've dealt with throughout my career, I've never seen or heard anything like that. I've never seen it. So of course, if I saw it too, I'd be like, um, what's happening here? It's like a head can't just fall off, right? It had to get forcefully removed. She didn't. So the mom and dad were really upset. They didn't know anything about it. And here they find out that that they had that they had known this at the hospital and didn't tell them and they wouldn't let her hold her baby because of that. And they propped this baby's decapitated head on its body and wrapped it up and showed it to her. So it looked like it was all in one piece. No, it's so it's so horrible behavior on the hospital's part. And they're saying that they're covering it up like, oh, shocker. We've covered how many times horrible things have been happening at hospitals and they've just done everything in their power to cover it up. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure why they thought that they would ever get away with this, but it's really disgusting. And I feel terrible for the parents. And I'm glad that the medical examiner has scientific concrete evidence to show what happened because otherwise they would they would probably get brushed under the rug and and this doctor would go on practicing. I can't it, it seems like the doctor still is practicing and I can't even imagine that any patients would want to go to this this person no because it's freaking way would yeah. that be my but, doctor. But but like is everybody reading the news and seeing that it's their doctor? How would they even know? I'm like my husband could pull that baby out with his bare hands <laughs> over this doctor going anywhere near yeah, me. Yeah, I I don't know, but I it's just such a terrible situation and you know, we we posted we posted a couple cases of this in the gross room, actually. That's another great thing about the gross room is that we're able to post more gruesome cases and, and have larger discussions because there's larger room to write articles. But also, we don't have the limitations of Instagram because of everything getting censored. And it's just becoming worse and worse every day with Instagram. But um, we had shown a couple cases of this happening in real life, a, a case reports, autopsy reports. And we had a discussion underneath because a lot of members of the gross room are nurses or they, they take care of um, pregnancies and everything. And they, they everybody that, that was commenting on it just is completely in shock about this case. Our last story is about UPS losing some ashes. So a 15-year-old boy died in 2020 after ODing on fentanyl and the family had him cremated. So his mother in Atlanta had shipped his ashes to her sister in Connecticut because the sister was making a custom urn to hold the son's ashes in. The package was supposed to arrive on January 10th and never came, and UPS just has lost it and gave her a check for $135 and said, sorry, nothing we can do. All right, so when you hear it from that perspective, it sounds really bad, but... They have a receipt that said that she said it was clothing yeah. that she was shipping, and UPS has a policy that they don't ship human remains. So she took a chance yeah. breaking their policy and saying that it was clothing, and she lost on that chance. It Listen, it sucks, and it's terrible, and it's sad. It's sad that she lost a child, and it's sad that this happened, but like, I'm sorry, it's just not UPS's fault. It's just, it's not even breaking the policy. You should never ship something that precious. Like, think about, we, we mail. No, that, that happens all the time, though. That, 
you just, I don't know. I just feel like it's such a gamble with things. Like I spent hours and hours and hours making Michelle an embroidery and we shipped it to California and it's lost forever and I'm pissed about it, but it's my fault. I could have just waited a couple of months and gave it to her in person. So I don't know. I just, I think it's Packages get lost all the time. I I mean, I, I understand that, but I, and I do think that there's, there's different kind of, you could get, um, like a courier or something, something that's more, Hey, I'm coming to your house and picking this up and driving it. But, but yeah, especially when you can't just, you can't just ship ashes with a 35, there's no, it doesn't matter if they gave her a million dollars, you're not getting that back. But also it's just like, where is it though? Where is it? Why? Why it's the same place tra- where Michelle's embroidery is. No, but <laughs> around Christmas time, people open packages and like they got a Keith Morrison Christmas sweater and an embroidery. <laughs> Good job. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, so you open? I I feel like people just open packages. If it was marked closed, maybe it said closed, and then they opened it, and it was ashes, and then some asshole working there just disposed it off to the side. Like. They need to get the system in check, but also she should not have lied about what was in there. And I personally wouldn't take a risk shipping. Yeah, because I like think that. if she went to UPS and said, "Hey, I'm sending these ashes to to a family member," they would say, "We don't we don't let you ship that." But did none of the none of the shipping providers take ashes like UP, USPS? And I think FedEx? I think I think USPS does. But there's a whole entire protocol of how you also ship it. Totally unreliable. So, <laughs> well, th- that's the, yeah. I mean, you have to do that sometimes. You just have to, just because of of the way life is. You can't, you can't not do that. But there's there's probably different protocols in place as to. I believe I believe the post office does it because I feel like they have a sticker for the box that says human cremains or something like all over it. I'm pretty sure. Oh, weird. There's some there's something about that. Um, And this happens the same thing, like if you die on an airplane or if you bring something, you know, like that people do that, too. Like they ship a, a person will die and then they ship the body back. There's like a whole entire way of well, I know they ship the body that. back, but it's a lot harder to lose an entire human body. Yeah, than- but the sometimes it's cremains, too. There, there's a whole entire procedure of how to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's an article you could write about in the gross room, it we'll sounds see. like. <laughs> okay, on to questions of the day. Every Friday, you guys should know the drill by now. Head over to the at Mother Knows Death Instagram. We'll put a little question box up. You could ask whatever you want. We don't care. We'll talk about anything. All right, first question. Do we have any matching tattoos, and did we get them together? And the answer is yes. Yes, we have we just have one? Just one. Or which A little Santa. Yeah, we, a little Santa, which, you know, it's so cute. Lillian, I was trying to tell Lillian how, like, she shouldn't get her whole body tattooed because I just wish I didn't have them anymore. <laughs> and um, she said, I don't want to get a lot, but I want to get the the knife you have on your thumb because you and Ree have that, and I want to get the Santa you and Ree have. Well, Isn't that, that fun? That's it's, it's kind of cute. It is really cute because, oh yeah, we have we both have swords on our thumbs, but they weren't together. I got mine at my friend's wedding, and you just got yours randomly. So yeah, you you weren't even old enough to get a tattoo when I got mine. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like I was like twenty something. No, but we your Santa's on your back. It's like a retro fifty Santa. So your Santa's on your back, and mine's on my ankle, and we got them 
and one? Steve did them. Steve Tabiri, we love him. Yeah, they're they're really they're so cute, and everybody will see it's on the inside of my right ankle, and sometimes people will be like, "What is that?" I'm like, I'm I know, a crazy I'm like, Christmas I can't show person. you now. I don't even know what side it's on. I don't know. It's on one. Of it's sides. on one side. Yeah. Um, and then you and Gabe have a couple matching tattoos. Yeah, me and Gabe have a, a lot of matching tattoos. Actually, maybe like five, five or something. Yeah, and I have a matching one with um, our friend Amberella, and then I have matching everybody that went on my bachelorette trip got a little one that said Darlin on it, so we all have that, but no matchies for me and Ricky yet, so <laughs> we'll see. All right, have you have your tattoos ever caused issues when getting a job? Oh, God. Yes. Well, let me just let me just say this. So- I worked at a city hospital for like 12 years. I never had a problem. I went to Jefferson uh, University for my bachelor's degree, never had a problem. Drexel for my master's degree, never had a problem. And then when I was at Drexel, I started doing my rotations. And when I went to one of my rotations at a hospital in New Jersey, um, they they started with me the day that I walked in and said, like, we don't know if you could be here because we have a policy that you can't have tattoos. And this was in 2008. So um, it wasn't that long ago. It was definitely way like people had tattoos or something. They just like freaked out and didn't know how to handle me. And I was just like, OK, well, then just like I'll go rotate at the hospital and work it out. I don't need to deal with this bullshit. So. Then they there was just like all these rules like, oh, you you sh you could stay in the lab as long as you stay in the lab. OK, fine, whatever. So I went there and I rotated there and I ended up doing so awesome that they said, oh, we're sorry, we gave you trouble and we judged you in the beginning and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whatever. So <laughs> so anyway, um, I let I I left that place and then. When I left my rotation, they asked if they could hire me per diem to work there. So I said, yeah, and that wasn't really an issue. And I worked there per diem for years, like at night and on the weekends while I was working at my other job. And then when I when I decided I wanted to quit my job in the city and go there, it was because a full time position had come up and I just I wanted to go there for multiple reasons. I wanted to make more money. I was pregnant with Lillian and I thought that that would have been better to take her to daycare every day instead of lugging her into the city. There was just like lots of different reasons that I left and I start working there full time. Now I'm already a, a per diem employee for years and I start working there full time and my very first week of work, they started giving me like a lot of trouble about my tattoos. Now, these people know that I have tattoos up into my chin and my hands are covered. Like I've always looked like this the entire time that I was there. And they said, well, you have to cover your tattoos. And I'm like, how am I going to cover my tattoos? Like they don't, I can't, I physically can't. Um, and they started all, and I was pregnant too. So I, and it was, it was like the summer. I'm not, not wearing long sleeves and everything, whatever. So then it became, they made an agreement that I was, I only had to cover up when I went into public spaces and like the cafeteria and this and that. And it, it just, I, I contacted a lawyer, too, to find out because I was like, they knew what I looked like when they hired me and they hired me and I left a, a secure job. And now they're harassing me every day like they were harassing me about it. 
And the lawyer at the time said that they didn't think there was anything they they could do because they had a policy about not having tattoos. But I'm like, but they hired me and they know what I look like. And I've worked there for years. So anyway, I just I just started. I just stopped listening to them. They wanted me to they literally asked me to wear gloves into the the lunchroom to go get my lunch. Like, what would you think if you saw someone wearing rubber gloves and getting food? You'd be like, what nasty disease did they have under there? I just think it's the dumbest thing. Like, when I was 18 and I worked at Bath and Body Works, I really, I have the um the push-in piercing, you know, and I really could not get it out to save my life. And they were like, well, you're going to have to wear a Band-Aid on your face. And I'm like, yeah. so me having an enormous Band-Aid on my face looks better than me having a gem sticking out of my face it's, at it's, a perfume it's serious, store. It seriously is like, the they're, they're so dumb. So, yeah, I and then I just started being like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm just going to look how I look and you could fire me. And I knew they wouldn't fire me because I was good and they needed my help. And that was it. And then a position opened up in the same hospital chain at a different location that was much more chill. And I just went over there and then I didn't have to deal with it anymore. But it was hell because um it put a lot of stress and anxiety on me because I worked really hard in college and then I worked really hard at my career and I had left a very secure career to go to this new place and they were giving they were like harassing me and I was pregnant so of course it was like stressing me out even more every day like on top of the normal stresses of being pregnant and stuff and it just wasn't cool but guess what the best part of this story is that that asshole that harassed me was taken out of the hospital in handcuffs by security so that whenever i i have a hard time in life karma always comes around always 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 yeah so that is the that's the best part of this story that there was a day that i could smile when i got that phone call that she was escorted out of the building by security that's incredible okay the next one is so funny to me. How do we both get our hair so shiny? And I want to say it's all grease, baby, because <laughs> last week when yeah. this question came in, my hair looked so disgusting. And I was like, we are getting the most beauty related questions we've ever had last week. The week I thought I looked the most haggard. So. Yeah, I you know what? I saw a story this week in my going through the thousands of news stories that there was this um social media influencer lady that's like a mom and she was saying that she only gave her kids baths twice a week and all these people were freaking out about it and I'm I'm like I tell you I wash my hair at the most once a week I don't even do it more than that and sometimes I go two weeks like I just and I and and if you talk to any person that does hair or anything they'll tell you that the washing it more is bad for your hair so I mean a lot of it is just it's funny because I washed my hair two years ago and you could see it's like it's frizzy like it'll look shiny next week (laughs) it takes it just takes a really long time but I just got all of these great hair products that are supposed to help with all of that because my hair is really dry looking yeah like I I'm joking because last week my hair was really greasy but in general I've been taking my hair really seriously because it's really frizzy and curly so uh last year I started using this um leave-in conditioner spray when I get out of the shower and now I have the shark hair dryer tool that makes my hair look really nice and I blow it out um I use a bunch of other stuff so we both have Amazon storefronts and we have all this stuff listed if you want your hair to look as gorgeous too 
I need to I need to add the my new stuff into there because I feel like I have certain products that I'm like, okay, these are really good now. And I'm such a pro Amazon person. So do you remember t- the other day I said to you, I want to do a challenge and see if I could just live and buy everything from Amazon for like one month yeah. and not... Okay, so then I saw some, Lillian showed me some YouTube video of some guy that bought like a house or something on 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 um, Amazon. It's like one of those small houses oh, or homes. What are, tiny homes. Um, I think it's like a shipping container type thing. Yeah. And he was talking about how they were living off of everything was from Amazon in the entire house. I just thought it was... It was really funny. Yeah. So for my hair but, products, you could go to Amazon.com slash shop slash Marie Q. Kane. <laughs> and then you have a different URL. I don't even know. I think it it's Amazon.com slash shop slash Mrs. and Jimmy. Okay. Thanks. But last question. If somebody dies lying face down, how long before blood starts coming out of their nose? So that's that's kind of that. There's no magic timeline. It depends. And I, I'm assuming that you mean purge. So sometimes, and this doesn't happen to every single person that dies, but if you're lying there for a specific amount of time, what happens is your body starts decomposing. You have bacteria in your body that start multiplying and it starts breaking down the tissue inside your body, which causes a, like a liquid called decomp juice, basically. Ew. And um, yeah, it's re- it's pretty nasty. And what happens is as the bacteria multiply, they start to give off gases and they cause the body to start bloating. And then that bloating kind of can push out that fluid, which would come out of open orifices like the nose and the mouth. And it's kind of bloody looking. So people could think it's blood, but it's not really true blood that you would see if you punch somebody in the face and they were alive and they were bleeding. But um, it it wouldn't happen it wouldn't happen right away when a person dies. But it just depends on the conditions and how they're decomposing. Like if a person dies in a house in Florida in the heat of the summer, it could happen in the, the first day within a couple hours even. But if they die outside when it's cold, it it could take a a couple days slash weeks for something like that to happen. So. It depends on the environment. It depends on the temperature. It depends on the elements outside. Are they in a house? Are they outside? So I can't really give like a specific time. I could just say in general that it, it wouldn't happen within a couple hours. That could be that could be safe. All right. Well, thank you guys for this week's questions. Make sure to check out the at Mother Knows Death Instagram every Friday to submit yours. Definitely check out our amazing external exam this week with plastic surgeon to the stars dr kelly colleen she was so cool yeah she was awesome i learned a lot i would feel very comfortable getting a procedure done from her based on how she talks about (laughs) patient care because i feel like you don't often see people that seem to really care about their own patients so yeah all right we'll see you guys next week thank you see ya thank you for listening to mother knows death as a reminder my training is as a pathologist assistant I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. 
This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.